Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For those of you who haven't been around, uh, we recently did a, a series called the, um, Draw the Circle, which is about kind of drawing uh, things around your lives to pray about. And last week we had a, a great interview with uh, Josh and Helen, uh, which was you know, really, really helpful. But uh, this week we're going to start a new series called The Jesus Effect. The Jesus Effect. One of the things that I love doing in my spare time, you know, I don't know if you have a hobby or something that you kind of run to, but in my spare time, I absolutely love watching films and specifically watching films that are really like thought provoking. You know, maybe they're politically charged or there's kind of something within the film that kind of stimulates, you know, a little bit of thought because. Often when I watch those types of films, I find for uh, a few days that I'm thinking about it and thinking about, you know, maybe that kind of point that he's trying to make inside the film. And, you know, the, the truth is, is that there are many things in our lives that affect us from day to day. You know, it could be music, it could be TV, it could be people around us, it could be our friends, it could be our families, our, our, our colleagues, You know, I don't know if you've had the same thing, but I've even found in my own life that sometimes dreams can affect me. You know, you have a a dream about someone that you've not seen for years and you think, wow, that was really strange. And you maybe think about that person for the next couple of days. There's so many different things in our lives that can affect us. But the main thing, and I think you hopefully agree, agree with me, the biggest thing that can make a change in our lives and that has an effect in our lives is Jesus. You know, many of us can testify here today that Jesus has literally brought us from death to life. He's given us a purpose. He's given us meaning. He's given us something to, to hope for and look forward to in our life. So this kind of this next series is going to be focusing on the Jesus effect, you know, looking at the, the Bible throughout the Gospels and just looking at what Jesus did specifically. So, you know, what, how he, he made an effect on people, what he said, how he did that. And then, you know, also alongside that, what we can do as, as Christians, as Jesus followers, how can we have an effect, a positive effect on other people? You know, we could almost replace your own name into that title. So for myself, I could say, what's the Nathan effect? You know, Andy could ask himself, what's the Andy effect? We could ask that question of ourselves is like, you know, what do people, um, what vibe do they get from us when they talk to us? How do they feel after a conversation with us? When, When we enter a room, are people happy to see us or are they a bit unhappy to see us because we're having a bad effect? What effect do we have on other people's lives? So that's the series we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks in terms of what effect Jesus had on other people and um, similarly, what effect we can have on other people in the same way. So over these next few weeks, we're going to look at uh, inviting inclusively, overcoming culture, hearing desperation, giving another chance. But this week, I'm going to be focusing on speaking with relevance speaking with relevance now we would talk about the word relevance and think well you know what does that really mean like trying to understand and i just looked at a definition for relevant which will come up on the screen and it says uh, to be important to the matter at hand you know often when we talk about 
being relevant. Maybe we talk about being current, you know, up to date with the times. We maybe think about having the latest fashion, you know, listening to the most up to date music or, um, you know, uh, understanding the latest programs and trends and even things like dance moves, you know, understanding the latest dance moves. Um, and the funny thing about all these different things is that they come and go, don't they? You know, even sometimes from week to week, they change. It's crazy, it's ridiculous. Like, even I've noticed really recently in, in my own life that, you know, going back to when I was at school, uh, when I was a, a teenager growing up, one of the things we, uh, we did with uh, our trousers and how we wore our trousers is that we made sure that they were long enough to go over your shoes yeah so like trousers would go and they would cover go over your shoes and like as you can imagine as a teenager as soon as you got a growth spurt like there would be that danger of there being a gap between the bottom of your trousers and your shoe and like straight away as soon as that would happen like people would take the mick out of you and say oh you've got ankle biters on what are you doing you look stupid all these types of things but when you look at young people now they actually like to wear trousers shorter. Like, they like to show off their ankles. You can actually go into uh, Topshop, like uh, many like, um, you know, uh, popular shops, and they have these line of trousers or jeans called ankle grazers. How crazy is that? Like, I would never think to wear stuff like that. But th this is the, the reality of the world that we live in. You know, that things change so, so quickly and trends and, you know, what is relevant can change, you know, from year to year and sometimes from month to month. But when I'm talking about speaking with relevance today, I'm not talking about us, you know, keeping up to date with the latest trends, whether it's fashion or whatever it is. But what I'm meaning is, is that when we speak and when we speak to other people, that we speak about things that are important or relatable. This means that when we talk to people, we literally talk about things they can understand or are applicable in their own lives. So there's no point me talking to, you know, um, if I'm being honest, like talking to Joanna about football because she doesn't like football. It's not relevant to her, to her world or what she's, she's doing. So it's, when I'm talking about speaking with relevance, it's talking to other people about things that are applicable to their lives and the things that are happening in their lives. You might have, you know, uh, you might have heard it before. A lot of people ask the question, you know, is Jesus really relevant today? Is Christianity relevant? Has anyone heard that question before? Yeah, I, I often get people saying kind of things like that to me. You know, even someone that I know of work with, she, uh, she actually goes to church herself and she said to me, you know, isn't it sad, you know, really sad that People don't go to church as often these days and church is declining. And I turned around to her and I said, well, I don't see it that way. The church that I go actually grows. You know, there can be this portrayal in the media that the church is declining. But actually we can say at Arena and many other churches that the church is growing. Amen? You know, that God is still advancing and God is still using the church today. The church is relevant today. It is the local hope of the world. It brings that message to people and it's still relevant today when it's done in the right way. 
And people will say things about the Bible to say, you know, that's an old book, you know, written thousands of years ago. It's not really applicable for today. Like, you know, some bits of it are like old cultural points. And yeah, it doesn't really apply to me today. People will say things like that. But actually, as we look through the Bible, the issues are still the same. People still make the same mistakes. You know, when you look at things that people struggle with, the, the mistakes that are made, whether it's you know, things like uh, murder, adultery, lying, stealing, those issues are still issues today. And I think at the centre of the issue is that people back then in, in that time, they were still searching for a hope. They were searching for a meaning to life. I think we can all admit that when we look around today, people are still looking for a hope. They're looking for something they can put their hope for in. They're looking for a meaning to life. You see, technology and society you know, may have changed a lot, but the point is, is that even though all those things have changed, the condition of the human heart is still the same. Thousands of years ago, people were searching, and today people are still searching to know their purpose and where they're going in life. And that's what you can find in the Bible. That's why the Bible is still relevant. And then we talk about Jesus. You know, Jesus is still relevant today. And he was so relevant to the, to the people that he spoke to. I'm just going to read for you. It's going to be on the screen from Luke chapter 19, verses 47 to 48. This is what he says. It says, Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. Now, anyone who thinks at that time that Jesus was not relevant, that he didn't appeal to the people, could not be more wrong. Literally thousands of people would follow Jesus around, like because of the amazing things he'd done, because of the things that he said. And as this verse shows us that literally people would like listen so intently to what he was saying. You know, they wouldn't bob in and out and just, you know, casually listening, but they were saying that he, they hung on his words. So they were listening to every single word they said because they knew that he had power in his words and what he said. And we know that Jesus was relevant to that time because of the following that he had, but I guess the main question that I want to address today is how did he do it? How was Jesus so relevant back then? How did he communicate with people so well? And uh, many of you will know that Jesus spoke in parables. So he'd often tell stories um, that had a, like a hidden meaning uh, uh, to get a point across to people. You know, they weren't real stories. They were stories that he made up just to make a point to them. And I want to focus um, kind of on one uh, parable today. And you, you, you find with these parables that um, Jesus would often use the kind of everyday situations and, and language basically to, to communicate with them. So he would talk to them about farming, about sheep, about crops, uh, about seeds, all these different things because this was what they knew every day. This was their bread and butter, the, the things that they knew. So if maybe Jesus was around today uh, and he was speaking, maybe he would talk about, um, about the traffic outside. Maybe he'd talk about the da- daily commute to, to work. Maybe he'd talk about what type of supermarket you'd go to. You know, these are the types of things that we can all relate to. This is what he was talking to at that time. 
Uh, and the, there's one parable I want to focus on just this morning. We're going to read through together is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Who knows the story of the parable of the Good Samaritan? Yeah, it's a very famous story. Um, it's actually one that's kind of come into our language even more recently as well. So just to give an introduction into this parable, what was happening at the time is that Jesus was talking to a group of people and there was an expert in Jewish law who was speaking to, to Jesus at this time and he was asking him a, a series of questions. So this, um, this expert was saying to, to Jesus, you know, how do I get eternal life? How do I live forever? And, you know, Jesus says to him, well, you know, what's written in the Bible? What, tell me what's written in the Bible. And he says, well, you've got to love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And he also says, you've got to love your neighbour as yourself. So this, you know, this, this guy who's asking Jesus, he thinks, and for one second he says to Jesus, well, who is my neighbour? Who is my neighbour actually? So on the back of that question, Jesus basically tells this story. So we're just going to read, uh, read through it together. It's in Luke chapter 10, verse 30 onwards. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So just looking at this story, there's kind of just four points I just want to make uh, this morning looking at this story and just a few other verses that we're going to look at together as well. So number one, point number one is create a connection point. Repeat that to me after three. One, two, three. Create a connection point. See, uh, Jesus, as I said before, he used everyday language. He used um, people that they knew. He used locations that they knew. So you may not know this, but actually Jesus was telling this story using a road that they all knew. So it's the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And this road actually had a bit of a nickname, had a a name that was called the Way of Blood. So this road was actually known as a road that people would often get like robbed, beaten up. So it was very, very common. So when Jesus starts telling this story and says there was a man walking down the road and he got, you know, robbed and beaten up. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that would happen. Yeah, that happened to me a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. They can relate to it straight away because they know that's what happens on that road. And then also, uh, he used two kind of characters, well, three characters that they all knew. Firstly, a priest. So that's the, the top person in terms of the Jewish temple. And then secondly, a Levite. That was the second top person in the Jewish temple 
in the Jewish temple. So these are two very high, high up people in kind of um, Judaism at that time, people that everyone knew. And then thirdly, I'm not going to go into it too much, but he used a people group that they all related to, which was the Samaritans. And all you need to know at this time is that the Jews absolutely hated the Samaritans. Like they, would, they wouldn't talk to each other. They would have no involvement with the Samaritans. Like, and this was not just like a, a, a tiff that you know, lasted for a few months. This went on for a long, long time. So when actually you know, Jesus starts talking about a Samaritan helping a Jew, they almost get offended at that moment, thinking, Samaritan helping a Jew? Yeah, we don't want any Samaritans to help us. But he's doing that in, you know, specifically to make a point. He's using places that they know and he's using people that they know to make a point. And you see, the, uh, the thing is, is that when we talk to people and relate to people in our own lives, we have to create that connection point. One of the things that my, uh, my dad shared with me, which I found really helpful, my dad's a, a minister in, in Birmingham and he often goes and visits people in their houses and meets to all different kind of types of people. And one thing that he told me that he's, he does is every time he goes into a house, he looks around the room and sees what they're interested in. So he sees what pictures did they have on the wall? Do they have any grandchildren? Or you know, what film collection do they have? And what he's doing, he's looking for a connection point. He's looking for something to talk to them about. Because we can be honest, the truth of the matter is, is that not every person you're going to have something in common. But you need to try and find something that the person likes to talk about, something that they're passionate about, something that's going to open up a conversation. And there was even one occasion when he, he went to meet one of the, the older guys um, from the church at his house and he walked into his living room and he saw uh, that this guy had a big poster of a, of a wrestler called The Rock in his front room. I don't know what his wife thought to it, but you know, he, he had that in his front room and obviously it showed that he, he absolutely loved les, uh, wrestling. And my dad doesn't really know much about wrestling, but in that moment, because he saw that, he was able to ask him about it. He'd say, oh, do you, you know, do you like wrestling? And, you know, he was off, you know, for five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes talking about wrestling and dad didn't really have to say anything because he was talking about what he was, he was passionate about. And to do that, you know, to create connection points, we have to find those things, find the common ground, speak on, on people's terms. You see, we're so... Intentional. I don't know if you've noticed here, but Arena Church was so intentional on being inclusive to every single person that comes through these doors. We try to use language that people will understand. You know, we try to use songs that people can engage with and you know, get behind and sing, okay? So we think about all these things. And can you imagine you know, what it'd be like if someone walked in, maybe for the first time this morning, and you welcomed them, and you said, oh, it's great to see you this morning, and you got them a coffee, and you sat them down, you sat back in your seat, and then in that moment, you said to them, so, what's your favourite book in the Bible? Yeah, what, what sort of response do you think they would get in that moment? You know, it would, it would be a bit awkward, maybe, because it would create a barrier. And what we need to do in our language when we speak to people, whether it's in our workplace or at home, is just to constantly create connection points and to, to, to not create barriers in our language. 
And we have a connect point, you know, that you will all know intentionally. It used to be called Resource, Resource Hub, but we've renamed it because we want people to make connections, you know, firstly with the church and also with God. So that's my first point. Point number two, be truthful. Be truthful. Uh, Ephesians 4 uh, says about speaking the truth in love. You might have noticed in these verses and in this story that, you know, Jesus was truthful. You know, he, he, didn't, he didn't stay away from speaking the truth, but he said it in a very particular way. See, often when Jesus spoke to people, he wasn't judgmental. You know, he didn't go around, you know, bashing people over the head. The only people that he was maybe a little bit harsher with were the religious leaders of the day because they said so many great things about themselves. They're probably too arrogant for, for that time. But the people that didn't know Jesus, he was gracious because he, didn't know, he knew that they didn't know any better and he, he drew them in and he, and he spoke to them in the right way. You see, in this story, when uh, the, the Jewish law expert asked Jesus, you know, who is my neighbour? At that moment, Jesus could have turned around to him and said, well, everyone's your neighbour, and those group of Samaritans, I, I know you hate them, but you've got to love them as well. You know, and that would be very blunt, wouldn't it? It probably wouldn't have got the response across in the right way. But actually, in how he communicated, he was truthful, but he led them on a journey. So he told them a story, you know, and he led them on the journey so that actually they came to the answer themselves. Because he tells this story, and then at the end he asks them, who do you think the neighbour was? And then they tell him, well, it was the one who helped them, the Samaritan. So in our language, we, we have to be careful, you know. There are going to be so many situations when people are going to ask you what you think about uh, a topic and we shouldn't shy away from, from, uh, from telling the truth we should be truthful we shouldn't dilute anything but at the same time we should be careful how we come across because so many times Christians have been known for what they are against rather than what they are for and I think the main message that we need to communicate in our everyday lives is that God loves people that God has a plan and a purpose you know, there, there are other things obviously we can talk about, but those are the main things. And sometimes if we're not careful, people can get the wrong message. So that's my point number two. Point number three, be the real deal. Just turn to your neighbour in this moment and ask, are you the real deal? And turn to your other neighbour and say... I am the real deal, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the real reason that people flock to see Jesus and, because, you know, the real reason that people listened so attentively and followed him around because they knew he was the real deal. You know, it wasn't someone who was just saying empty words and saying all these things, but he backed it up with how he, how he lived. You know, people knew that he was sinless. He was blameless. There was nothing he could be blamed for in his life. You know, he performed miracles. He did such amazing things. He was the real deal, literally. And the question we've got to ask for our own lives is, do people notice us as being different? 
And I'm not talking about being a weird different, you know. I'm talking about being different in terms of how we act, the language we use, the culture that we carry as Jesus followers. Do people notice that we don't gossip behind people's back? Do people notice that we try and live with integrity? Do people notice that we are generous and that we're loving and that we're kind and we show all these different traits? And the thing is, is that people need to know that we are different. And sometimes, you know, being honest, sometimes that can be hard, that can be difficult. You know, growing up um, as, a, as a teenager, I, you know, all the time I, people used to call me names and say all sorts of things because they knew I was different. You know, people used to say to me, call me things like Nathan of Nazareth or, you know, it's crazy, isn't it? It's quite a good nickname to be fair. I, thought, I was quite impressed when I heard that one. Or they would say like, you know, call me Jesus, you know, and thinking it was offensive when I actually quite like that, you know, to be called Jesus. <laughs> But, you know, people might say, to, say things to you as, you know, banter and all these types of things. And sometimes we can see that as a negative thing. But I'd like to turn it on its head and say, well, actually, I think that's a positive thing. Because what it's doing is it's, it's showing you that people notice that you are different and that they can see something different in you. And that causes sometimes a bit of tension in people's lives and it makes them think you know, when they're presented with the same thing every day, nothing changes. But when they see something different, it makes them think, what's different about this person? Why are they so different? And I'd like to question, you know, if people don't notice anything different in us, then maybe we're not doing something right. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to go around people and tell people that you're doing everything different. I'm not doing this, I'm doing doing this. But how we naturally live, it should emanate from us. So people should notice that we are different you know, in our everyday lives. And I think effectively that will open up opportunities for us to share into people's lives and to, to speak into people's lives as well. Which leads me on to my last point, which is share your story. Share your story. 1 Peter 3 verse 15 says... Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give you to give the reason for the hope that you have. See, the thing is, is that we can get into. You've probably had it before. You know, you can get into arguments with people about um, when the Earth was created, whether it's creation or evolution, or um, you know whether the Bible is really accurate and true and all these technical points, which are great, you know, fantastic conversations to have and we need to have those conversations. But at the same time, you can argue about those for days. The one thing that someone cannot argue with you about is your own testimony, is your own story. Someone can't turn around and say, well, that's not true. I don't, I don't agree with that because it's your own story. And that's something that people are going to relate to the most. That's speaking with relevance because you can say to someone, look, this is what happened in my life. You know, um, I started following Jesus and I realised that these things changed in my life. I realise now that I have a hope, a future, that God's helped me with this, that I had this issue in my life and, and that God actually helped me and gave me an answer and pushed me forward. And it's in those moments when we share this story that people really realise that, you know, this God is not for, for thousands of years ago, but it's for now. 
for every single person that actually God is still doing amazing things today, not in other countries, but right here in Mansfield, in, in England, in, in surrounding areas. So I, I'd encourage you in that to write down your own story. Maybe think about the things that God has done in your life. One of the things that I like to do is, from time to time, is reflect about all the things that God has done in my life, about the amazing times that God has really come through for, for, for me and Joanna in terms of provision and all these things, because these are great testimonies to share with other people, because it proves the fact that God works in our everyday lives. And I encourage you, if you haven't thought about it before, think about your own testimony. Prepare for when, you know, a moment when someone asks you about your faith so you can roll it off and say, this is what's happened, this is what God has done in my life. And when you get in the morning, I, I you know, encourage you, the, one of the best things you can do is, is pray to God and say, God, give me an opportunity today to share my story. And I believe as, as you do that, that God will give you opportunities day after day, like even in strange situations, that conversations will open up. And as that comes along, I, like, I encourage you to be bold. You know, don't shy away from, from telling people what God has done in your life and sharing it with them and saying, look, God can do this for you as well. Because we can all testify, can't we? Do you, are you with me this morning? We can testify that God's done something special in our lives. We've got something to share about. You know, this isn't just, we don't just come here because uh, we enjoy it, but we come here because God has done something amazing and something special in our lives that we can shout about to other people. Amen? And I encourage you to do that every day of your life. Pray, ask God for, for opportunities, and don't be afraid to tell your story. Now, you might have noticed on your chair that you've got uh, something that's kind of, uh, it's really uh, well designed. It says the, the Jesus effect on it. And if you turn it around, it says, I just want to, if you just want to pick it up and just have a look at it in this one moment, it says, three people I'm praying for and wanting to bring. Now, one of these things that we're, we're believing over our church, you know, we're believing for, for God to, to move in Mansfield, to do amazing things across our church. We want to see this room filled up with people. And one of the best ways we can do this is if we personally invite people to church. You know, it's just a, a quick invite. And, you know, the, the best opportunity we've got is that we've got the Christmas season coming up, you know, in the next month or a couple of months and the, one of the, the great things about that is that it is a fantastic opportunity to invite people to church. Now you could say, oh, we've got you know, uh, some great Christmas services. There's going to be like, amazing services. There's going to be performances, great videos, great testimonies, great Christmas carols. You know, people love to sing Christmas carols. And this provides us with a, a great opportunity to invite people. So I encourage you, you know, going away from today, Think and pray about three people that you want to invite over the Christmas period and just write their names, you know, one, two, three, write the names down and then pray over it. You know, whenever you get a chance, pray over it and then ask those people. Is that something that you can do? Yeah. Great. And over the next few weeks, we'll talk a bit more about this, but this is something that we can start and pray about, really believing that God is going to do something great in Mansfield. As I believe as we take a step, that God will meet us and we will see great things happen in our campus together. Amen. Uh, just as the, the worship team comes, let's, let's thank God.
just as the worship team comes, I'd just love to, to pray.